Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I'm Stacey Jones, the founder of influencer marketing and branded content agency, Hollywood Branded. This podcast provides brand marketers a learning platform for top experts to share their insights and knowledge on topics which make a direct impact on your business today. While it is impossible to be well-versed on every topic and strategy that can improve bottom line results, my goal is to help you avoid making costly mistakes of time, energy, or money, whether you are doing a DIY approach or hiring an expert to help. Let's begin today's discussion. Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. Here's your host, Stacy Jones. Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I'm Stacy Jones. I'm so happy to be here with you all today, and I want to give a very warm welcome to the truly talented and top literary agent, Wendy Keller. Wendy is an award-winning former journalist, a respected literary agent, an author, a speaker, and founder of Keller Media. Her agency focuses exclusively on nonfiction books written for adults. She has sold more than 1,700 rights deals around the world, including 18 New York Times bestsellers and nine international bestsellers. Her clients include Nobel nominees, leading scientists, renowned motivational speakers, politicians, and self-help gurus, CEOs, and prominent entrepreneurs. Wendy herself has authored 31 published books, most recently, The Ultimate Guide to Platform Building from Entrepreneur Press. She's passionate about helping people with strong messages reach their audiences, and our listeners will pick up on this quickly. Today, we're going to talk about building a brand and marketing a message using a published book. We will learn what has worked from Wendy's experience, what could be avoided, and how some authors are missing the mark. Wendy, welcome. Thank you. Welcome. Thanks for having me, Stacey. This is great. I am so happy to have you all here today chatting with us and talking about all things books. And I'm so happy too that I was introduced to you. So I'd like you to start off by giving a little background about who you are and what got you to where you are today. Oh, thank you. Well, uh, I've been an agent for more than 30 years. I started working for another agent who was in Hollywood writing coverages, which is critiques basically of screenplays and books. And after about a year, I figured out that he didn't really know what he was doing and he wasn't actually selling anything. And I thought, well, okay, I'm going to become an agent. I, I could certainly do better than he does. And so I left him one day and I wrote to a couple agents and said, hey, can I, you know, can you mentor me? And they were agents who were conveniently listed in the back of Writer's Digest magazine. And uh, that's where I thought all agents were listed. And I wrote them. Two of them agreed to work with me and teach me. And Within a year, I was making more money in my percentage I was paying them than they were making in their own agencies. So I cut ties and started doing this myself. That's awesome. That's very cool. Thank you. You were an entrepreneur. Fun. You were an entrepreneur I, from the start. Yeah, I've been an entrepreneur since I was a little kid. Um, but but the thing that I get passionate about really is that you know I have my own books and my own writing, and that's kind of a hobby for me. But what I really am excited about is that because of my work, I can help a lot of other people get their content to an even larger market. I'm only an expert on a few things, but by bringing in other experts and helping them connect with millions of people, I create a bigger pie in the world, basically. That's awesome. And your specialty is nonfiction. Right. Very strictly nonfiction business, self-help, which could be anything from, you know, how to raise your child to you know, how to lose weight to, you know, how to get over Parkinson's disease. I just sold that and not get over it, but deal with it. And unfortunately, and, you know, things like that. And then also uh, a lot of um, science books, sometimes, you know, history or things like that, but they have to be really uniquely written. So, 
So why is it that so many people write books? Is it that they have a true passion to write books or do they see it as a business opportunity? Well, I think there are two categories. That's a great question because sometimes people write a book because they've decided that they are, they just have a message and they've got to get it out to the world. And other times what I've noticed is that people think that a book is going to magically become a calling card. Well, if I just put together a book and put it out there on Amazon, then, you know, my business is going to grow. It's true that a business will grow if you do a book, but only if you do it properly and in alignment with your actual goals. Most people who come to me are speakers or plan to be speakers or consultants, or they're using the book as a strategy to grow their brand for their company, sales goods, sales of goods or services. That's my expertise, and that's what I'm passionate about as an agent. And so that's why we only handle nonfiction and why, why I believe that a lot of people get published and then come back and say, well, it's failed. Now what do I do? I can't really help someone who's self-published and failed, whatever their motivation was. But someone who does it right from the start is far more likely to achieve the goals they intend. So how do you do it right from the start correctly? Let's jump in there. (laughs) In the United States, all nonfiction books are sold to publishers of the book proposal. You don't need one if you're writing a novel, but you need one if you're writing fiction. And so a nonfiction book proposal is really to the publishing industry what a business plan would be if you were going out and seeking venture capital because it's the same thing. You're trying to get a stranger to invest their money in your great idea. So when you write a quality, well-crafted, intelligent book proposal, then you're far more likely to find an agent. And when you find that agent, then that agent will be able to take it and represent it to publishers because most publishers won't take anything that doesn't have an agent attached. And then you'll get the deal. So your chances go up astronomically if you write a right proposal, get yourself an agent, and then that agent can shop it. We can't shop an idea. We can't shop a manuscript. We can't shop a failed, self-published Kindle book but we can shop a proposal. So it's critical to have that document in the right order. And that's something I bet a lot of people miss on. I think a lot of people probably sit down, they're like, I'm writing a book and they start writing because I know I did that. That is a huge waste of time. And I hate saying that to people because it crushes their emotional attachment to their material. But here's why. Because you and everyone else is going to be writing in an ivory tower. So what you see is your world and your desire to get the book out. But when you send it to a publishing professional, such as myself or other agents, you know, we may have seen that idea 30 times in the last month, 500 times in the last year, the same, pretty much the same concept. I had this conversation with an author this morning. What he's writing is something I've rejected thousands of times. I'm not exaggerating. So what the author has to do is look at the industry my industry, publishing, and make a decision about how to differentiate the content. I call that NDBM. That's an acronym for new, different, better, or more. If your book doesn't offer something better than all those books, then as we call it, it doesn't deserve its shelf space. 42 to 48% of books are now sold through Amazon, so it's not really about the shelf space, but that half-inch spine of your book being put on the shelf at at Barnes & Noble you have to earn that space by being NDBM than the other titles. So when you just sit down and you've got this great idea and you just start typing, chances are that you haven't taken the time to really differentiate your content in a way that sounds unique to someone who's done it a million years, as opposed to your neighbors or your friends or the people who came to your last class who say, oh, you're so brilliant. 
frankly, from our side of the desk, you may not be that original or brilliant. So you just need to do the steps and go through the proposal writing process, which is it's, it's built to help you differentiate your content in a way that makes it marketable. I hope that makes sense. It does. And I think it also is supposed to help you make sure that your book is marketable in general. Yeah. Right. I mean, if it's marketable to a publisher, in theory, it will be marketable to your public. So the process of extruding a book through the book proposal process is really about learning how your content fits. So we do an online class. I teach it's eight weeks, eight weeks long. Um, there are six uh, actual courses with homework assignments. And then I have a team of professional editors, editors who've worked in real life publishing, and in some cases still do, who moonlight for me. And what they do is they take each piece of the five parts of a book proposal, and they go through it, and they edit it according to industry standards. And so what the, the participants often say in the book proposal workshop is, I had no idea they would see it this way or think of it this way, or why are they looking at it when they should know that it's brilliant just from the first page? So there's all kinds of beliefs that authors have that we <laughs> kick under the curb, but also we make sure that they get um, some awareness about that. I teach them how the publishing industry looks at content, and then the editors take the time to customize that content. We're looking at you know average of seven to nine hours during the course, Editors are working on your material. If anybody's interested, that's bookproposalworkshop.com. Again, bookproposalworkshop.com. But the benefit of having that kind of editorial advice from me and then editorial input from the editors is really priceless. It teaches a person how to think about their book in the way a publishing professional is going to think about it, which, of course, increases the chances astronomically of getting not just an advance but a good advance with a good publisher. Right. And, and for all of our listeners, what Wendy has put together, because I'm about to dive into it myself very, very shortly, since I was slow on writing a book proposal uh, and getting it done, uh, it's really well-priced. And it, the materials that she shares are very self-explanatory and easy, and it's not something that is scary. My husband's going to do the course with me, and he's not scared from looking at it either. He's like, okay, this is manageable. This is doable. Because otherwise, it's a little daunting to be like, okay, sit down, go. Right. People come to me often and they've read one of the generic books on how to write a proposal. There are some problems with those books because in one case, it's the, one of them is very dated, which isn't how publishing works anymore and very well. And the other one is just a general principle, right? So it's like, a, it's like everybody gets vanilla ice cream. So in the proposal workshop, what we're doing is actually customizing your content and your message to what's really going on in publishing right now. And it changes about every six months what they're looking for or how many ideas they've seen on the same topic or like this guy I rejected this morning because I've seen this idea so many times. I said, here's your assignment. You have to go and read the six already best-selling books on this topic and then come back and tell me why you're worth that shelf space, what's different about what you're doing. That gives someone real insight because often people believe they're the first person to market. And, and by customizing their message, they create this factor that becomes obvious to agents and to publishers who do publish in this category. So we do, you know, leadership, self-help. In business books, we do leadership, management, financing, entrepreneurship, all this other stuff. And so there's a big 
awareness at my agency of what's going on in that space. So we already know what's being published today, which is all you can find out as an author, but we also know in most cases what's going to be out in six or 12 months because we're part of that process. So we can see things that you can't even notice as an author, and it's important for the author to be able to be differentiated even within that spectrum of things they can't even guess because they're so far ahead of the curve. Yeah. And there's something about like the universe delivering thoughts and like brilliant ideas to multiple people at the same time, because when we're working with movies and TV shows, I can't tell you how many times we're like, wait, we have three movies that are all exactly the same that are going to be going into production shortly with different studios. How can this even be possible? But it happens. It does happen. And when I was a new agent working for that other guy, he made us he made us only take in projects where they signed a disclaimer that said similar or identical material may exist. And I almost quit at that moment. That was my first week. I almost quit because I thought that was so unfair. And now after 30 years of my own and one year after that, I was at uh, lunch one time with Mark Victor Hansen, who was a co-author on Chicken Soup for the Soul. I was fortunate to have Jack as one of my clients. And uh, Mark and I were talking and he, his theory is God sprinkles the same idea on a thousand heads. And out of those thousand people, 100 take some action and 10 take right action and one makes it to the finish line. And that's been true all my life. If I start to see, my policy personally, is if I see the same content come in six times in any two-week period, literally two-week period, same book with slightly different authors, slightly different takes, I know I have to take one. So I'll go back through those six. I'll find the one that has the biggest platform and I'll put it up for sale. I'll crush it. To, to get it out as fast as possible because I know I'm not the only agent seeing books yeah. on this topic it, every single time. And it's uncanny from this side of the desk, but it always happens. Yeah, I, I see it. It happens just, I think, in life in general with products, with books, with movie scripts, with all sorts of things. There's only so many ideas and lots of people have them. That's so crazy and so true. So yeah. you touched on something just a moment ago. And to lead us into our next topic, you said you will look for someone who has basically the best platform. So that includes like the most followers, the most PR, the most media, the most speaking, the most, can you kind of share a little bit about what that most means and that you're looking for that makes someone stand out? It kind of depends on the content itself. Um, What I would like personally as an agent is different than Um, Is it a different level? Because I've been doing this a trillion years. So it's different than a younger agent or a newer agent might be willing to take. Um, The advances that I get, I expect to start at 100,000. And so that requires a very high level of platform. If you're interested in seeing what that needs to look like, feel free to go to kellermedia.com, kellermedia.com slash submission dash guidelines, where it's laid out what you need to have to get me as an agent. But In general, a platform is a large growing group of fans of people who trust what you say, who like what you say, and most important to the publisher, are already shelling out some money for it. So if you come to me and you say, look, Wendy, uh, I just launched this topic and I've done six workshops and I've had 25 people show up at each workshop and they're paying me $200, well, you are definitely on the path to having a platform. That's awesome. Or you say, I did 10 speaking engagements last year this is awesome. They're paying me 1500 bucks, which is a very low level as a speaker, right? Most speakers at my start to get interested in a publisher, 20 speeches at 5,000 or more dollars, right? So if you use speaking as one component of your platform, you're pitching, 
20 speeches is like a minimum, but at $5,000 means that you are going to grow, right? Because the publisher can help you supersize what you've already got going, but they can't start something magically, which comes back to your question about self-publishing. The fact that a book exists is like the fact that you have a business card in a little white box in your desk. It's not doing anything for you. It's sitting in there. It hasn't been used as a calling card. What are you doing, right? So a platform has to be growing. It has to say, this week I had 20 people subscribing to my newsletter, and, and next week I have 400 people subscribing, and then I had 800 people. You need to see some movement. And depending on what that movement is, the agents will normally drill into you for that to find every little tiny piece of platform you've got and then be able to sell your book. So it could be social media, although that doesn't really sell books. It's an indication of interest. It could be speaking. It could be workshops. It could be consulting. It could be you've worked with all these major companies. It could be that you were the number one salesman five years running. There are all these different factors. I write about this in my book. My most recent book is called The Ultimate Guide to Platform Building, and I talk about not just what platform is, but how to get your specific to your subject matter so that you grow your specific business or passion. And that's really the game. I mean, the platform that I look for coming out the gate is any number of those things, because that's what's going to make the difference long term in whether or not your book is successful and whether or not you can even get a publishing deal or whether an agent is wasting their time. We work on straight commission. There's no money in you. We're probably not Right. And so you're taking a massive risk on the person you're working with. They're not paying you to work right. with them until you find success, but it's a lot of time to take and you have to really sure. bought in if you think this author is going to be worth your time to spend. Yes. And there's another side to this that I think is really valuable. So I know roughly how much time it's going to take me to sell a book, whatever level of book that is. Right. So it's very clear. I've done it a long time. I know. But here's the cool thing for an author. If you're going, you know what? She's making it sound so difficult. I'm just going to self-publish. Here's the great plan that you should consider. So here it is. If you are going to think about self-publishing, if you can't get an agent or a publisher, here's all you have to do. You have to write the book proposal to the best of your ability. So when you have that book proposal, now you float it out into the world to share it with agents. So you're, there's a video on my Keller Media YouTube channel called Wendy's Rule of 30. It'll tell you how to find an agent. So in, in great detail. So anyway, I'll skip, I'll skip that for now. So now your proposal is being shot. Let's say you get an agent. Hooray, you've got an agent. Well, it's going to take the agent, you know, maybe for me it takes usually four to six weeks, but some agents will want three months or six months to sell your book. Okay, fine. So while the agent's doing that, go right ahead and write your book, whatever. And when the agent comes back to you and says, look, here's an offer for $10,000, $50,000, $100,000, or here's self-publishing, which do you want? You've only been able to achieve that wonderful decision-making because you had a great book proposal, and it didn't cost you anything. You learned how to do the book proposal. You gave it to an agent, and if you say no to the deal, the agent has to walk away from it even if you want it, if you don't want it. And on the other hand, if the agent doesn't come back with a deal or doesn't come back with a deal worth the kind of money you think your book is worth, then you can walk on that too. So you can always self-publish because you've given yourself the first option of getting a deal with a major publisher. Yeah. And I think even just from, because I've seen your course outline, so I can speak to it. But I think that, you know, if you're going in and writing a book, 
what your outline does is it gives you the building blocks to work from. So you're not yes. just like sporadically all over the place. Right. Right. That's, you know, because this, the process of writing a proposal is teaching you how to differentiate your book from the other material that's already out there, which you're going to need no matter how you publish. It's teaching you what the structure of your book should be. So I do, the, I do a lecture for 45-ish minutes explaining what this needs to look like and how to do it and how to make it really easy for yourself. You're going to need that no matter how you publish. I also have you talk about your marketing plan. You're going to need that no matter how you publish. So pretty much all of it other than your bio is stuff you're going to need anyway. So you may as well work through a proposal, give an agent a shot at selling it, the best agent you can get, and then and then wait to see what happens. You know, if they come back, they great. Or you could go on vacation for three months and then wait for the agent to come back and then make a decision. It's really a great way to hedge your bets because good stuff, and people don't believe this. They're like, well, you know, I've had 72 agents turn me down. Don't you be in the 73rd. Well, the truth is, if it was good, we, we this is a secret. We elbow each other for the good content. I mean, we are vicious. We are sharks with one sardine and we haven't eaten for a month. I mean, we go bananas. When, I, when I'm interested in a project and it crosses my desk, I'm not the first person to see what we get, uh, what we get sh shown, usually, unless it's a direct referral from an existing client. But if it comes in through the slush pile, through the queries, um, if I haven't even a hint that this is going to be a big project, I pick up the phone right away and I call that author because I know that all the other agents are going to be on it at the same moment. And usually they'll say, oh, my God, you're the eighth agent to call me today or to write me an email. Yeah. That's how it really is if you're on the right track. Yeah, it means you actually have that sparkle of gold dust. Yeah, big gold dust. Hopefully a big gold thing. <laughs> okay, so someone joins you and writes a book outline. Someone joins another, whatever it is, to do an actual book plan to put it together. And obviously the benefit is if they sign up with you and they do this course, then it's not just sitting here going, one day I'm going to write a book. One day I'm going to get around to it. One day I'm going to stop living life enough to find the time to do this, right? It's going to actually make you do it. So that's another benefit, I think, of your course yeah. in general. It puts yeah. your butt in a seat and it makes you start making a plan and writing. And, and we harangue people if they don't meet the deadlines. There's homework deadlines. It's very simple. I've done this. I've, done, I've taught more than 25,000 writers this process in all different formats. Now I'm finally doing it on a live online course. But, it, you know, we, we, will, we will be after you if you're not turning it in. And, yes, life happens and there are emergencies. But I've done it enough to be able to elongate the hard parts of the course so that people can actually get time to do it if they have kids, if they have a job, if they have a job and they have a sick parent, whatever. It's, it's doable in a normal human's life. You might have to sacrifice two hours of television a week, but most people are willing to do that if it's going to change their life. So, okay, you've done the book proposal. Signed on yes. to Wendy Keller. You're going, going, going. Woohoo! Woo yes. Book proposal's done. She's given you flying colors. What yeah. happens, you know, what happens then, whether they're working with you or they work with another agent, um, what are the next steps? How does it play out? So, like I said, you're welcome to go on vacation once you've got an agent. So here's why. So the first thing the agent's going to do once the agent has approved the proposal, whichever agent you get, and about the crazy thing is in my last two book proposal classes, and I'm not saying this to, you know, to pump myself up, but to my delight, 
Um, for the students who did not have books that we were able to represent because they were outside our categories, um, more than 50% of the students who finished the program got the agents that they were going after. So that was a really, I feel really proud about that. I feel really happy for those students. So once the agent has the proposal, and one agent, one agent said, you tell Wendy, because I know him, um, he said, you tell Wendy this great project. It's one of the easiest proposals that's come in because it's already done, which agents love because then we don't have to work on the proposal. So what the agent does is we take this proposal and we think about which editors we know personally are going to be most interested. So you as a consumer might go, oh, here are the houses that handle business books. But we're thinking, yeah, but there are nine editors at that house and one handles leadership and one handles entrepreneurship and two of them handle personal, you know, business finance. So out of the two that handle business finance, which one wants this kind of contact? And, you know, is she in the office this week, or is he going to be the person who's most excited about working with this kind of an author? So we have the personal knowledge of the editors, and we're going to select usually 10 to 16 editors. That's all there exists who can afford to pay a good advance in America right now. So we 12 to 16 people who are going to be interested in your book. So we're going to send the project simultaneously to all of them and say, hey, this is what we got. And then we start the you know, the, the work. So it's phone calls and emails. And if I, if I think you're going to sell for over $100,000, even over $200,000, I'm going to ask you to take a day out of your life and to meet me in New York. And we're going to go around the circle. And we're going to meet everybody who's interested in you. All this stuff is going on. This is what agents do. This is where we earn the first part of our money. And then you get to a place where at least one of those editors has made an offer, right? So could be a small offer. doesn't matter. Any offer is counts. And then I call all the houses or all the editors who still have it. And I say, oh, my gosh, you're going to miss out on it. Oh, poor you. It's already got an offer. You're slow. And I scare them. And this is how all agents do it. We scare the poor editors and we make them read it on their lunch hour or on the weekend or whatever. So they don't miss out on this wonderful book that we're trying to sell them. And, and then we have hopefully more than one offer. You negotiate amongst the publishers. There are different things than the amount of the advance. There's terms and there's sub-rights, and there's all kinds of parts to a contract, hundreds of details to deal with. And then your agent will come back to you and call you and go, guess what? I've got something happy to tell you. And then and then you make a decision. And then and, and on the book, a year well, later, the book comes out. Well, then you still have to write the book. Yeah, but that's nine months. And you can do it yourself. You can hire an editor. If you've been through the proposal class, it, you will be really clear on what needs to be done, whether you choose to write it yourself and hire a ghostwriter or you write it with an editor, that's becoming more popular. People want to write their own content, so they hire a, a developmental editor who will go through it and say, you know, I don't understand this concept, and why did you say this story in two versions? And that's a developmental editor. A line editor goes and says, you know, you didn't have this punctuation correctly. That's down the road. Nobody cares about that. So it's the developmental editing cooperative that most people are choosing at this moment. A couple of years ago, everybody wanted a ghostwriter because they thought it was very you know, fancy to be able to pay 25000 to have someone else write your book for you. I'm sure the ghost fighters were quite happy. Well, yeah. Uh, and, and there's, you know, we have a lot of them. We, we have uh, ghost writers at each level that we keep kind of, we call it in their stable, all, all agents call it that. So I have maybe 30-something ghost writers that are working at different projects at any time. So... It's a, big, it's a big piece of it. And then there are editors that you keep on top of it, too, so that the book – so when the idea is that when the book gets to the publishing house, it's as good as you can make it, and then they will do their own developmental and line editing. Mm -hmm. And then when everybody agrees that it's a great book, 
then it can get published. Here's that's one reason self-published books or hybrid published books are usually junky and they don't get the media and they don't get their respect because they know that one person and then maybe someone who was getting paid, either the hybrid publisher who's getting money or you know, you you spent five thousand dollars on some editor, that person if they're not working for a publishing house, they're just gonna sit around and tell you how wonderful you are. You're not getting any real editorial support, which is why in the middle of a business book you might find a chapter about dealing with aliens. I mean, there's I've seen so many crazy things. <laughs> okay, so now you've written your book. Now it's been yeah. edited. It's even gotten down to being line edited and it's off to publication. What <laughs> happens after that? Well, it kind of depends on the agent's interest in marketing. So if you're, my, if you're a Keller Media client, you will get at least an hour with me where I'm going to tell you long before you've even started writing the book, here's how to shift the content if you're looking to become a speaker because there are specific things you have to do. Or here are the specific ways you should change the way you're writing the book, the actual process of writing it, if you want to get more consulting. Or if you're only interested in growing your social media platform, here's how to do that, whatever your thing is. So we work backwards from your goal. I don't know what other agents do because I don't, I don't, I'm not an author for another agent, but I would hope that you would have an agent who's more interested in marketing than book selling because we can sell the book in our sleep, right, after it's not rocket science. So it is for authors, but it's not for us. But um, so now you have this agent who's helped you work backwards on it. So two to three months before the book comes out, you're, if you're going to, you're going to retain a publicist if you want to work in conjunction with you, your staff, the publisher's publicity department, whatever, to create a master plan to make this book as successful as possible. And then you're going to continue with that publicist for 90 days after release because really that 90-day window after release is critical. If you sell a lot of books in that space, you will sell a lot of books going forward because there are, there are triggers in the industry. So if your book comes out and it does well, those triggers will be clicked and you will find a momentum happening that will hopefully exceed your wildest dreams. If you only do marginally well in those first 90 days, you may still get your goal. It may just take a little longer, and the industry isn't going to be putting as much resource and attention behind you as you would have gotten. I don't mean me as an agent, but I mean the publisher themselves. So a lot of it depends on how well you're set up and how good your marketing plan is executed and how seriously you're paying attention to it. Um, if, you, if you say, well, I took off a year to write my book, and now I'm going to go back to speaking because my book was just released, you won't succeed. You need to keep that growing. The platform needs to keep growing so that you have sales, we call them pre-sales, before the book comes out, which will queue up sales after the book comes out. And then you just keep turning the crank. And that's how you become Gary Vaynerchuk or Brene Brown or, you know, Jeffrey Hazlett or any, any major author. That's how it really works. You pay attention to the marketing before and after publication. Okay. And so you mentioned earlier, you know, that you can get a book advance. It could be $100,000. It could be $5, whatever it is, right? So hopefully more than $5 because you're not going to be doing this if it's $5. Uh, so when that happens and the book's been published, when does an author actually start seeing potential money if they're doing well? Okay, so that's a great question. So when you get, so let's use the number 10,000 because 10,000 is a fairly average nonfiction book advance. Mm -hmm. So when you get a $10,000 advance, this is for those of you who like me are not math whizzes. Um, if you get a $10,000 advance from your publisher, 
they're going to give you $5,000 when you send the contract. So at the beginning of the process, before you've even written the book, they're going to give you that $5,000, 50%. If it's over, probably if it's over $100,000, they're only going to give you a third to start, but we'll assume the easiest. So they're giving you 50% now, and then they're going to give you 50%, the final $5,000 on what's called DNA, delivery and acceptance. That means you've turned in your best manuscript, their developmental editor has read it, they've sent it back to you with changes, you've sent it back with those changes incorporated, they've sent it to a line editor, the line editor has read it, the line editor has passed it, you've passed it, the publisher has passed it, and now they're ready to go to press in two or three or six months, whatever it is. That's when they owe you the second check. Okay, so now you've got $10,000 of their money in your pocket for nothing, really just writing the book. That's not the hard part. So now you've got this money, and now everybody's going to team together, your agent, you, your publisher, the publisher's publicity department, your hired publicist, Stacy, the podcast queen, whatever you've got going on, and you're going to actually start marketing this book. Now, let's just say for math's sake, your book is a $10 book. It's $10. That's called the list price, the number that's printed on the book. So if it's $10, and let's just imagine you're only going to get 10% of that. So you're making $1 per book. When your book has sold 10,001 copies, the publisher owes you another dollar. The reason for that is they already gave you $10,000, which is their rough estimate of how much they think your book is going to earn you in that first year. So the size of the advance is based on what they think you're going to do. Surprise them, right? Blow their mind. Sometimes authors do that, and it's great. So you'll be getting that $1 you know, a year later, you'll, they'll be in the, you'll be past the advance. We call that earn out. You will have earned out your advance. So sometimes getting a small advance is a good deal for a publisher or for an, for an author. And I encourage them to take a smaller advance because I know that their, their platform is growing in such a way that they're going to earn out that advance really quickly, which will open the door to a second book. If your first book doesn't earn out or if you self-publish and have sold fewer than 2,500 units, which is really hard to do. 2,500 units is a huge number of successes in self-publishing. If you sold 2,500 or less in 12 months, you aren't going to get a second book. If you never earn out on your first book, you may not get a second chance ever because the publishing industry looks at it and says, this person failed. Why would we take a shot on someone who failed? But if you do the right things and you market it successfully, you could be making like you could be making a huge amount of money. So let me. So a long time ago, when I was a young agent, I learned this great, great story. I, I was representing C. Todd Conover, who had been the comptroller of the currency under President Reagan. Amazing, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant man, just off the charts. And Mr. Conover, this would have been in the mid-90s, I think, and Mr. Conover had sold a book on how to leave your wealth with minimum taxes if you, are, uh, if you have over a million dollars. So this was a long time ago. There weren't that many millionaires in the U.S. yet. And so he had written this book, and it was, he, was a, he helped people do uh, strategic wealth planning if they, to pass it on to other generations. And he wrote the book, and, you know, I didn't know this was possible, so I called him, like, you know, six months later, and I was like, Mr. Conover, sir, it's time to write his second book. And he said the comment that changed my life as an agent. He said, Wendy, I don't have time to write his second book. This one has changed my career. My number of clients has gone up 300%. And I realized that if a book is used as a business tool, even though it may not be selling units, it could be making a fortune for a client. That's when I got interested in marketing way more than just a book. And that's where speaking opportunities, for example, come in, right? 
Heck yeah. If you get a $25,000 book advance, which again is not very high, let's say you get a $25,000 book advance and your speaking fee on the day I sell your book is $5,000. So you got a $25,000 advance and you get an average of $5,000 as a speaker on the day your agent sells your book, you should double all future, uh, increase all future bookings by 50%. So you need to start telling meeting planners who haven't nailed down that hold yet, so basically they haven't made a contract or a deposit, mm -hmm. you need to say, hey, but I just got a book deal with McGraw-Hill, Penguin Random House, Collins. so my fees are going to go up in January or June or whatever you say uh, to 7500 and when the book comes out, they're going up to 10000 so, you know, poopy or get off the potty, right? Make this booking now, right? So, and that will usually trigger the meeting planners to scramble for you and to try and get that, especially if you happen to decide to interview maybe the CEO of the company that's going to bring you in maybe this week. You're obviously moving in the right direction. So now let's imagine that now you're making $10,000 per speech, and the fact that you've got this book, which you only got $25,000 for, and it was a pain in the neck to write it, I understand, but now you've got 20 speeches coming up this coming year, you know, that now you're in a position where you control a lot of money because you've got a lot of money coming in because you did the book, even if it's not coming directly from the book itself. And then you start looking at ghostwriters. <laughs> <laughs> so what else can people do to help market themselves, help build themselves a platform? And I know you wrote a book on it, which you mentioned earlier, and we'll share all of this, your, your website for the proposal writing class, your book, um, and your actual website too, in our show notes. But what are the first steps there, like with building a platform? And is it what, it's probably never too early to start. No, you should have started yesterday to build a platform. Um, here's, the, here's the first step. The first step is to figure out what you want as an end goal. If you were to ever get on the phone with me about your book, the first thing I would say is, what do you want the book to do? And people will always go on a tangent about saving the world and, and helping the walruses in Nigeria to, I don't know, to build their own businesses, whatever it is. So that's lovely. But what I'm going to push you to is telling me, what you really want. Do you want to be a speaker? Do you want to be a consultant? Do you want more of something? What are you trying to do? Okay, it's great if you're saving the world. How many people are you saving now? How many do you want to save next year, right? So from that comes the answer to how you're going to market yourself. So if you know what you want, then you know what your avatar is, right? The book talks at the first, and I'm saying it now, in summary, um, your avatar is critical. So who are the people we're going to be most benefited by your work. If it's the walruses or if it's, you know, if it's females who read self-help books far more than men do, who are having uh, trouble in their relationship and who want to solve those problems. Okay. We've seen thousands of books, millions of books on that topic. Okay. So now you know who that is. Well, you might not know this, but women between 25 and 55 buy those books. So where are those women now? Well, they're on Facebook, okay? But Facebook doesn't really help sell books, and there are a million people on Facebook. Well, I'm going to start a podcast like Stacy. I want to grow up and be like Stacy. Well, Stacy's also a marketing professional. Podcasting has burgeoned. We wrote the book on podcasting. My client, Stephen Western, wrote the book Profitable Podcasting, which is the bestseller in how to get started podcasting. But because there's so many podcasts now, if you didn't get an early start like Stacy did, it's going to be hard for you to just Grow a podcast out of thin air. There's too much competition. So what are you going to do? Start workshops in your house. 
start workshops at the local library, start speaking to hospitals, start speaking to women's groups, start speaking in, okay, you don't want to speak? Oh, I don't want to speak. Start writing articles, start running, start a club, start a group of meetups. Look for women who you can train to go out and speak on your behalf. There are 10,000 trillion gazillion ways to grow a platform doing what you're good at, not everything, but what you're good at and where your avatar is. So once you know your avatar, then you go after increasing them. Because like I said, a publisher can supersize what you've got, but they can't create you out of nothing. You'll have something. So if you're already proving that your work appeals to those women with bad lives and bad relationships, we can make that bigger when the book deal happens. But in the meantime, you need to find them. There's hundreds of ways to build a platform. I talk about, I don't know, I think 60-something of them in the book on platform building because there's so many, and they should be personalized to your goal and your talents. If you're not a natural speaker, don't speak, right? Okay, go do something else. I mean, don't kill yourself over it. Don't make yourself uncomfortable, and don't spread yourself too thin. If Stacy had come to me and she said, oh, you know, and also um, I'm blogging, and then, and then also I'm trying to be a speaker, and oh, did I mention I have kids? And then, uh, yeah, on top of that, I'm also starting women's groups, and I've got, she's going to be spread too thin unless she's got a staff of 500 people right. to do all this. Do what you can do and do it well. And on that note, I know Stephen, so I will also, and that's how I actually know Wendy, uh, because he's part of a agency group that I'm a member of, but he has a phenomenal book. They really did a great yep. book together. It's a wonderful foundation for podcasting and understanding how you can actually grow your business by podcasting. Yes, yes, absolutely. And, and growing your business, again, is one of the ways you grow your business is by doing a book. It's not, and it's not necessarily that podcasting doesn't work at all for key purpose. It's that it's hard to get started in podcasting with enough time to get your proposal done to make enough of a splash in podcasting to sell your book this year. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, that makes sense. And it sounds like you have a book too. If you've only written 60 ways to build a platform out of a hundred that you have, just think you have another book you can write, Wendy. Oh, I don't really want to write anymore. <laughs> Thank you. 31 is enough. I'm just <laughs> Is there any other insight you'd like to share with our listeners today? Yeah, I think I would like to say this. And despite everything I've said, um, if you have a subject that you're passionate about or you have a goal for your life, your business that you're passionate about, it's just a matter of figuring out the Rubik's Cube. It looks like it's set up to be difficult. It looks like the, the odds are stacked against you. They're really not. If there's one thing you take from this, please take this, that if you do this right, Agents will be biting each other to get the privilege of representing you. People, you've heard stories about how hard publishing is and how many people reject it. That's because they don't have a good proposal and they didn't understand what the publishing industry is looking for because we're the gatekeepers. After it goes through us, then it reaches the public. That's the most important. This is easy if you do it right and really frustrating if you do it wrong. That is great advice. Besides the advice, of course, that from me to sign up for Wendy's Proposal class, because it sounds like it's going to make it a lot easier. Yeah. I'm going to do it. I think I'm going to do it three times a year. This is the third one this year, um, bookproposalworkshop.com. And the transformation and the tears are really what I didn't expect. You know, that some of you would get deals, but also that, you know, I would get even grown men calling me choked up saying, I had no idea what I didn't know. And that, that means a lot to me. That's my little gift to the world. 
That's phenomenal. Thanks. Well, Wendy, I want to thank you again for coming on to the podcast today and really do value your time. Thank you. Thank you. It's been yeah. great. You're your Thank you. And your advice, because I think that, you know, it's interesting. I have spoken with almost every podcast guest I've had, or when I'm in conversations with other agency owners through the agency group that I'm a member of, or just out and about talking with clients, everyone has this like little passion and dream. I think a lot of times that they know that in their heads, they've made it if they've written a book, if they've published a book. And that's a goal a lot of people have, especially entrepreneurs. Like it's just part of that, check that list off. I did it, right? And yeah. so it's great that you're offering an opportunity in a way that people can kind of sit down and do it and put their butts in a seat and get going without just doing it blindly. Oh, thank you very much. It's such a great feeling to call somebody who's never had a book deal before and say, guess what? This is how much money you're going to get. And this is the publishing house. That's the, that's the happiest moment of my experience with any book. So how nice. Thank you so much. And I look forward, I hope, to someday representing you. And, and you have just done so many amazing things in your career. Your platform is magnificent. And uh, I hope we get through the proposal class and that we are able to do something wonderful together. You guys all go out and buy Stacey's book about a year from now. There you go. And then to all of our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in today to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I look forward to chatting with you on our next podcast.